0: From the big screen to the small screen, and everything in between, this is The Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello, and welcome to The Screeners Podcast. I'm Daniel. And this is Chad. And that's all of us. We are here with a kind of short episode today. Uh, We are going to be reviewing Transformers The Last Night. But before we get started, go ahead and like us on Facebook. I just want to make sure to throw that out there if you've never heard us ask. Like us on Facebook. Join in the conversation. We always like to hear from you guys. And go ahead and uh, you know subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. All right, let's jump into the episode.
1: All
0: right, before we get into our review of Transformers... We have a bit of breaking news. Well, it happened about last week, but we wanted to talk about it anyway. We've had some shake-ups on the new Han Solo movie set. A disturbance uh, in the force. A disturbance in the force. So uh, this is pretty shocking news, actually, uh, for those of us who, who love movies or just love Star Wars. They have been shooting this Han Solo movie since February, January, February. So that's about five or six months. and uh, with, A long with time. Lord, Yeah, it's a long time. I mean, they were nearly done with the film, and it's got Phil Lord and Chris Miller directing, Alden Ironreich uh, as Han Solo, Donald Glover as as Lando, Great, great looking movie. And then last week, it turns out that Phil Lord and Chris Miller got fired from Han Solo. They couched it in kind of a uh, creative differences kind of thing. Sources came out from behind the scenes kind of saying what happened. It could all be conjecture, but we're going to talk about it anyway. The the news is that they were fired, uh, that their vision for what a Han Solo movie is going to be, you know, they're very... You know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller have a really distinct style, right? They're very improvisational, uh, real comedy driven. Yeah. And apparently that that wasn't uh, what what Kathy Kennedy and and Lawrence Kasdan and uh, Lucasfilm wanted, which begs so many questions. But uh, after the firing, the very next day, it was reported that Ron Howard is taking over the reigns of the film they had about four weeks left of shooting when lord and miller were fired but now they're going to extend into september so another adding adding three or four months on there so many questions chad what, so many. what do you what do you think of this news well this is hard it's
1: it's hard to know with this uh because i'm a i'm of two minds about it on the one hand i think that one of the things that everybody i don't want to speak for everybody but i'm going to speak for everybody One of the things that everybody really liked about Episode 7 was, and and you've heard this statement I think hundreds of times when people talked about it, was that it felt like Star Wars again, as opposed to the prequels. It felt like it was uh, in the same universe, it felt of the original trilogy. On the one hand, I do clearly understand, especially as this is only the second spinoff, it is now clearly a property, it is a commercial enterprise. That must be uh, managed and uh, right. catered to. And and from a creative standpoint, I do feel like it's probably a lot of these decisions are being made because they want to maintain a certain look, a certain feel, a certain kind of milieu that will be comforting to Star Wars fans. Now, that being said, the disappointing part is that I think that these spinoffs are the perfect opportunity to not be those things. Uh, It's the perfect opportunity to be creative, to be bold, to explore the universe in ways that are not necessarily... Uh, that don't necessarily feel like all the others. They always say uh, that timing is everything. And I think this is probably a matter of the timing with these two directors in particular probably just doesn't line up with how bold Kathleen Kennedy uh, is willing to be this early in the process, especially with a character as beloved as Han Solo. So if I had to guess that that would be that would be what what I think is happening here now as far as how I feel about it. The idea of these two directors as uh, the directors as Han Solo anyway, is kind of different, right? I mean, don't you agree? It was it oh, caught a lot sure. of people by surprise. But Marvel has certainly had some success in that regard, like the Russo brothers, for example. Yeah. Who, who would have ever? They've knocked it out of the park over there. So I like the idea of using different uh, out-of-the-box choices for their directors. But I think what it sounds like, if, if the sources are to be believed, is that they were leaning very heavily into the comedic approach, which on the one hand i think could be good but it also is it flirts on the line of becoming not true to the character and when you have this kind of character who has such a long history then you could really upset a lot of people now that's all conjecture and we right, we may right. never know that so for me ron howard seems like a safe choice for sure so safe but at the same time You know, just to circle back on my original point, I think we're still so early and we're still using spinoffs that are directly related to the original trilogy. You know, Rogue One led directly into Episode 4. This one uh, leads into who Han Solo becomes. And so it's all of these properties that even though they're ancillary, they're still very much tied into that main central trilogy. And I think until we break away from that... We're going to keep getting kind of the same kind of feel, I think. And Ron Howard yeah. fits that bill. That's what he does. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what he does. He's going to come in and make a movie that looks like Star Wars. And listen, I know people are down on Ron Howard, and I think you are probably too, based on some yeah. of the things I saw you on Twitter. <laughs> but the thing about Ron Howard is... You know, and this is just my personal opinion, is that if you make – there are one-hit wonders all over the place, right? You make one great thing, sure. and then you never do it again, okay? Yeah. Ron Howard is not that. Ron Howard's made like five or six phenomenally good films. That's true. And so when you do something five times, it's not a fluke. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that you're going to make is bad, but I've seen a lot of people saying – Oh, he has no style, no distinctive. And that I patently reject that. The man has made some magnificent films that were magnificently directed. So... I hope we get that version here. But I think I think regardless, I, honestly, Daniel, and I want to hear you what you're talking about because obviously I'm fired up about it because I love Star Wars. But <laughs> I think within this mechanism and this machine that they are creating, it's going to be limited creatively. I think they come in with an idea, they being the, uh, the Disney enterprise of – what needs to happen and how it needs to look, and they're going to limit their directors. Now, Ryan Johnson, a little bit different story because he wrote the script uh, mm-hmm. in this scenario, but on these spinoffs with an unproven director, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that it matters who they're going to put in there, as they're probably going to be pretty much cookie cutter. I mean, do you not, do you not think that's true?
0: I do. So. The thing is I, I agree with I agree with pretty much everything you're saying. And uh the the thing with the Han Solo movie is when they announced the movie, before they announced the directors, I don't like the idea of a Han Solo movie. Uh I don't think it's a good idea. I think um it's it's a dangerous idea in that it can ruin the original trilogy. You know what I mean? Like retroactively it, make it worse. They can retro. Yeah, they can give us more. I mean, Han Solo is beloved, and it's because he's kind of mysterious. He has this crazy past that we don't know anything about. Right. That kind of makes him a loose cannon in a way. And and describing that past, all these past adventures. Uh, that that's I don't I I don't really care. I, I'm not I'm not that in on that idea. And then they announced Lord and Miller. And right. all, if you look at their filmography, every movie that they have made is a terrible idea. Every one. Uh, <laughs> freaking Lego movie. Awful right. idea. 21 Jump Street, a reboot of some cop show from the eighty, Terrible I, idea. I
1: don't think Lego movie is an awful idea, but I'm with you on 21 Jump Street. That's an awful I, idea. No,
0: Lego movie is a terrible idea because why would you... Uh, it, it it's just, it's as dumb of an idea as the emoji movie. I mean, why Which would you gonna make, make a um...
1: billion dollars? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, but my point is they have turned all these terrible ideas into incredible movies, fantastic movies. And there's some of the most interesting directors working today. And so sure. for them to be picked for this movie, I was like, dang, that is uh surprising and a uh, very, very interesting choice. And obviously Luke, Lucasfilm film felt the same way. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't have hired him. And then this happens. And so I've been kind of doing some research and trying to figure out. It, it appears that this is pretty much unprecedented. Edgar Wright with Ant-Man is a is a similar situation in that he developed the, the movie for years and years, right. and then was let go because his vision was just a little too out there. But he, they were still months away from shooting. So. Right. I mean, that's the that's like the closest thing we can come to this, and so it is. It's shocking. It's really surprising, and and for me, really disappointing because I agree that this is all this is a corporate property now, you know, and they need to protect it carefully. And I and I get that, and I want it to be protected. I do because I have just as strong feelings about Star Wars as you know as the next guy. But the thing with Rogue One for me, which is a perfectly fine film, I I, I enjoy it quite a bit, but it was more of the same. It was just Perfectly good and 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 all that, but it wasn't it wasn't, wasn't anything great. different. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything different is the biggest biggest thing for me, and so that's why I was so excited for spinoffs in general, is that exactly like you said, they can be something different. And then hiring Phil Lord and Chris Miller, you know, it's going to be yeah. uh, weird and different and strange and funny. And so it's
1: kind of a catch twenty two though in that sense because while while we can sit here and say. We want these films to be different and to explore different ways to tell the story. At the same time, I think if it doesn't at least feel like it's Star Wars, then people right. will be like, "What the heck is this? This isn't lo- what's even the point." So there is kind of a fine line there, and it seems like these two directors, in particular, from what I've been able to to ascertain, and again, all just based on sure. speculation, right. is that they were really trying to push it further, further off into that comedic kind of improvisational tone for the character man
0: i just and maybe um, it would have been great who knows that's the thing it's like well and and, and yeah we will most likely never know what that movie would have looked like um so it's kind of again unfair for i said this when we reviewed ant-man it's kind of unfair for us to judge this movie because we will when it comes out we're gonna be saying oh it would have been better with lord and millie you know we just will that's unfair Unless to ron great. howard even still, you know, Ant-Man, the thing is, I, I keep thinking back to Ant-Man. I, my feelings on the movie were that it was perfectly fine. It's not a bad movie, and but it's just safe. It's because they wanted to protect the, the Marvel Universe. Let's not get too weird. Let's not get too crazy. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. And, and Ron Howard's a perfect choice for that. He is safe. He is secure. He's going to make a perfectly fine movie. I have no doubt it'll be a perfectly safe movie is what I mean.
1: I think one thing that is interesting is that... it. Lawrence Kasdan was evidently one of the main people who tried to get Lord and Miller hired. Right. And then he was also one of the main ones who wanted to push to get rid of them. So That's the thing, man. That, How do you be surprised by this? For that to be such a strong about face, there had to be some substantial – I mean creative differences is one thing. But if this is the guy who has literally gone to bat and put his name on the line to say, we need to hire these guys – and then the guys get there, and then four months, five months into shooting, you're you're coming back and now saying, "No, we've got to get rid of these guys." There has to, there is something there. I mean, this this has to be like a substantial uh, departure or, uh, or or something, which is what makes the story so fascinating. Yeah. Um, so who knows and what we're going to get now?
0: And, yeah, and that's 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 the thing that is confusing is is they obviously came in, they pitched on this movie, they talked about it probably for. Weeks, if not months oh, before yeah. being hired. So I just don't understand how this happens. And and we'll never know, but that's, I just, I, I, I hope an insider writes a book about this in a, in yeah, a this few is, years. This like, is
1: a book waiting to happen for sure. It's just so crazy.
0: So there are so many questions. I mean, I, I wrote down a bunch of questions. Like, will they still be credited as directors? They directed this movie for five months. Well, they have uh, to give, what
1: convenient? is it, 51% for DGA? So.
0: Right, and then will they get residuals on the movie? Is any of the rest of the major crew leaving? I saw that the editor was also let go, uh, but I think that was under Lord Miller still. So, I'm just—it's just—it's uh, crazy. It, it's so weird. Um, and I saw some more, some more news this just this morning that came out that apparently not not that shocking of news, but uh, that they ha- had hired a an acting coach for Alden Ironreich because I guess his performance wasn't quite cutting cutting it, which. I, is not that big of a deal. That happens on a lot of movies, but sure. uh, what's hilarious about that is that's the plot of hail Caesar. So, um, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty great. <laughs> that's also so, true. That's true. But anyway, so yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll, you know, this movie as of right now still has a release date of May 25th, 2018. Uh, I think I saw some comments from Ron Howard that that they, they don't, they they hope to make that release date still. So really really interesting situation. Uh, so we'll we'll keep you apprised of it. I'm gonna be in the theater day one. You yes, know that. Yes you will. Uh, yes you will. But but uh, I I hope I, I hope my feelings on the movie are stronger than just yeah that was good. Welcome to the main event.
1: He's back today for our main event. We are excited to review Michael Bay's latest Transformers: The Last Night.
0: It started as a legend, one of the greatest of all. thousand years we've kept it hidden. To protect Earth from what was destined to arrive. Optimus Prime, you destroyed your home. Do you seek redemption? My maker, I do.
1: The IMDb description is as follows. Autobots and Decepticons are at war with humans on the sidelines. Optimus Prime is gone. The key to saving our future lies buried in the secrets of the past, in the hidden history of Transformers (laughs) on Earth. Daniel, do you feel the epicness in the description? I feel the weight. Do you feel how serious this is? This appears to be so serious that it's a story that could literally stretch... Generations. (laughs) So, all right, listen. It's no secret that the Transformers franchise has been a tremendous financial success. Multi-billion dollar franchise over the course of of these five films. It's also no secret that Michael Bay has become synonymous as kind of the big spectacle filmmaker outside of a few uh, like pain and gain that he did. But this is kind of in his wheelhouse where... Whiz bangs and explosions and super fast cuts interspersed with crazy bouts of uh, comedy and or attempts at comedy, I should say. (laughs) So here we are now, somewhere that I don't think many of us ever thought we would be. Back with a fifth Transformers, Transformers: The Last Night. Now, Daniel, let me ask you because because I you know here's the thing. At some point, I think it. I think we as people who watch films, you and I in particular in the screeners, we watch a lot of movies. And so it's very easy for us as we get information about movies to, even if it's unintentional, to prejudge a film. Like we already know this movie is going to be bad based on the trailer or the director or a history mm-hmm. in the franchise, et cetera. Sure. So what I want to do today, Daniel, is I want us to give Michael Bay a shot Okay, I want us to be fair in this review. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you first to tell us uh, your history with the Transformers franchise. Uh, do, did you like any of them? Are there any elements of, of the previous films that you've liked? And then tell me what you thought, your general idea about The Last night, and if it is as good, better, or maybe even worse than what has come before. So, Daniel, and do it with an open mind.
0: Okay. Open mind. Go. My mind, open mind my mind is opening. Right. Okay. I want you to, I, all right. It's open go. now. My history with Transformers franchise which which, you know, this is called The Last Night. It will not be the last Transformers film. They they're they're putting together a whole universe. The next one coming out is going to be a Bumblebee movie directed by the guy who directed Kubo and the two strings. All right. Ooh, so
1: interesting.
0: Interesting. So I love Kubo we've got, so do I, we've got a lot more of these. I think they said they have 14 scripts. I mean, we're probably not going to get 14 more movies, but they've got 14 scripts written for more transformers movies. So my history is important because we've got a lot more to look forward to. Yay. So I genuinely like the first transformers movie. I do. I think, I think the first transformers movie is enjoyable. It's, it's not great, but it's good. I, I, I think is a perfectly fun movie. Yeah. Um, so that's me being being fair. I enjoy the first one. That's as far as my enjoyment can go, right there. <laughs> um, you know, in the second movie, we have Transformers balls. Literally, they gave Transformers balls. Um, <laughs> I believe it's in the second one that they have Transformer taking a leak on John Turturro, which is just horribly offensive to film history. <laughs> uh, you know, and it just goes downhill from there. So it's
1: downhill from there. Okay.
0: I don't like the rest of these movies at all. The the other three, second, third, or fourth. Okay. I the second is probably the worst one uh, up to that that point. So with Transformers five, the last night, man, it is by far the worst one. Um, wow. It is okay. So interesting. It's so bad. It is so bad. There, I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, there's no bright side here. There's nothing good. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing good. It is Ooh. an ugly ugly film ugly it is so horrible to look at Uh, bay has a way of filming things in beautiful light um and everything somehow this entire movie takes place at golden hour all of it yeah Uh, but but then he twists the camera and fills the frame with messy robots and cgi and explosions and dust and dirt and people running and it's just ugly it it hurts it's it hurts your eyes to look at Hey, did you see it in 3d can i ask I did see it in Twitter. You did? Okay. All right. I was just curious. And it is terrible. There's a video that I'm sure you've seen, Chad, from a few years ago called uh, From Every Frame of Painting on YouTube. Yes. Uh, what is Bayham? It's a mm-hmm. great, great video. I highly recommend you go watch it. Um, it analyzes Bay's visual style really, really well because um, he doesn't just he he has an open mind. He says, "Okay, let's we all make fun of Michael Bay. Let's take a look at uh, what is it that he does. You know, how does he move the camera, things like that." It's a great, great film, and he he describes the problem here so perfectly. Every frame is just packed full of stuff. Every every single shot needs to be so high impact, whether the scene needs it or not, and it's just gross to look at. So that's the biggest thing, right Sounds there. Sounds like you're um,
1: prejudging him, Daniel.
0: I'm not prejudging him at all. I'm, I'm telling you. Based like, oh, on the there's movie. more
1: stuff in the frame. So I hate funny. it.
0: <laughs> as far as the story goes, I mean, they just crammed so much stuff in this movie. I mean, this story is pa- this, this movie is packed to the brim with story ideas that just didn't need to be there. I mean, my Lord, we're in like three or four different time eras. Uh, you know, it's just like it's awful. Uh, and there are so many – this movie is two and a half hours long, by the way. It is. Um, it is And there long. are so many storylines so story that could have been cut very easily. John Turturro does not need to be in this movie. That was completely pointless. The little girl could have been cut completely from this film. It's just – She almost it, was. She should have been. She should have been she, – she had served no purpose. But we spend like a good half hour of this movie altogether together watching her go, do nothing, nothing at all. Uh, And it's not the little girl, so I'm not insulting her, uh, but just she was pointless to this film. The film is so fast paced. It feels like it's a two and a half hour long trailer. I mean, it's just cutting back and forth and big shot, and big shot. And and it never slows down for even a second in this whole entire two and a half hour long movie. It's horrible. And then the worst part of it, other than the visuals, the worst part of it for me is Michael Bay has no grasp on what tone means. Uh, I mean, this film is deadly serious. The the in terms of the performances, the the action, the setup of each scene. I mean, this is world-ending serious stuff. But then they pepper in all these jokes that are like zany and wacky, and and they're not funny at all. It's this weird mishmash of super duper serious, well, throwing out one-liners. It's it's just horribly done. I could go on and on for a long time about wow. this movie. I, I haven't even mentioned Anthony Hopkins or how annoying the Transformers themselves are. Just everything is pitiful. I'll just, I'll leave it there.
1: (laughs) Everything is pitiful. Okay, man. Daniel, (laughs) this is like... You've had your angry pants on here this last month. I don't know if like moving out to the desert has started to make <laughs> you more cynical. Well, here's my my history with the franchise is very similar to yours. In as much as I think I'm probably even a little more positive on the first one than you were. I actually like the first one. I think it's good. I thought it was uh, enjoyable, a nice introduction to the world and to the characters. Uh, I really did like it. I don't think it's a gr- I don't think it's a great movie, but I enjoyed it uh, for what it was. So that leads us now to the two, three, four, and now five. I agree with you that the the sequels have been really, really poor, really poor, even though they've made so much money. I mean, there are a couple of so things that have made money. more than a billion worldwide just as a yes. single film. Uh, but it brings us to the fifth one, and so I I just could not muster any excitement to see this movie at all. Uh, you know, very much as we talk about quite often, I try to insulate myself from as much information as possible. I had no idea what the runtime was, although I could guess it was going to be long, but I, I had no idea. And so the theme of my review is kind of going to be. All based around uh, this. This movie opens. I want to. I want to keep this spoiler free. But it. It. Oh, you've seen it in the trailer. It opens with uh, scenes from King Arthur's days. Okay, and there were transformers back then, which you've seen in the trailer. So that's not a spoiler. And once we get through that section to where the actual movie starts in earnest with the kids and the girl that you mentioned, I think like the first. 30 minutes or so of this movie i actually had hope for this movie not that it was going to be good not that i was going to love it but that it was going to be a clear step up from the sequels now here's here's the thing let me let me stop burying the lead this is my second favorite transformers movie out of the five I don't, and I, it's not even close. It's not even close. I the, the reaction that you had to this movie is the reaction that I had to 2, 3, and 4, to where I almost had like a physical <laughs> like <laughs> response to them. I hated them so much. And I love just, I love movies. I mean, we do a movie podcast. I mean, we both work in production. Uh, you know, we we love this stuff. And so for me to actively hate something, it, it it's really got to be bad or just very apathetic. And and I think all of those transformer sequels are this one for whatever reason. Now listen, let make no mistake. The beginning of this is done. Like it it has, <laughs> it has a line in the King Arthur uh, opening sequence where a guy. <laughs> says this is what the end looks like and I, yeah. and I thought in my head yes this movie is literally what the end looks like <laughs> followed by the uh guy slamming his sword in the ground saying without sacrifice there is no victory you know it's that <laughs> kind you know michael bay is not subtle people he's not everything is on the nose and big and grandiose you know merlin of course is drunk he has to be drunk oh uh, it's that was just so, so dumb. stupid so oh. dumb and so, and so that's the thing is that I, I agree wholeheartedly that his attempt at humor has always been like middle school humor. You know, it's the it's the dog pee, the dog's humping the cut shot to the dog's humping in Transformers from a robot to a robot peeing on someone. It's all this kind of potty humor, which you know, on its face, I'm not against potty humor if if done effectively, it can be very funny. But it just never is. It's almost like the cheapest, easiest way to try and get. At humor is what Bay does. And it's no different in this movie. The problem with this movie, as it it is with a lot of these, is that if I feel like this one actually had some narrative momentum... Now listen, the plot makes no sense. If I had to try and (laughs) spell out the plot to you, I could not do it. It's so convoluted and so complicated I have no idea. But for the most part, because of the presence of people like Anthony Hopkins, which is, he's, I mean... (laughs) Bless his heart. Oh, I, I, don't even, I don't even know what movie he thought he was in. But, you know, every monologue he gets, it's an Anthony Hopkins monologue, and it z- zooms in on his face, and it's very serious. But it, And it doesn't fit within the tone of the world. But the problem here is that 45 minutes of this movie, if it had been cut off, this movie would have felt pretty tight and and, and at least had some sort of excitement built in there. Because what happens here is it it does a natural crescendo at around two hours. And then you've got thirty or forty more minutes, which devolves into this massive CGI battle, which which you would expect in a Transformers movie, and that you just couldn't care less because it's it's hard to follow the action. There are no stakes because you know everything the way everything is happening in there. Everybody in the scene should have died twenty times, you know, <laughs> and so it just feels very cartoony. So the problem for me, even even all of those problems on top, I still. Liked parts of this movie. I mean, I think there are things that, like, for example, when Bumblebee's trying to find his voice and they put the voice box in and it's a series voice. That's funny. Okay, Come that on, was Daniel. funny. That's I'll give it I'll really give it funny. to you. That, that you was know, a funny moment. That's funny. And the stuff with the kids at the beginning sets up a different kind of movie, obviously. I hated I, it. You, I hated it. you hated the stuff with the kids, Yes, See, I, I did not. I really liked it because it was so different. I liked the idea of now listen, it's poorly written. It's poorly written and and narratively it's it's kind of silly but i liked being in the presence of those kids and you know it's got the tropes with the nerdy kid who's trying to be the boyfriend and all that stuff but that's a different kind of thing we'd normally get from michael bay now certainly as soon as those kids are gone cuz you think they're going to be a major part of the plot and then they're gone for 85% of the movie and and then the girl comes back at the end but essentially Then we get into Michael Bayland with the PhD doctor who, of course, is unbelievably attractive and wears skin-tight clothes but doesn't have a boyfriend. You know, it's all of that. It's all of that same kind of stuff. Which Which I didn't like, which is why I think I did like that first part so much, because I thought, well, at least this is different. this is through the eyes of the kids, uh, it's in a world where everything is dangerous, and I enjoyed it I mean i don't I disagree with you that, that this movie is ugly. I don't think this movie is ugly, I think it's gorgeous what? Um, now again, it's the same thing, yes, there are tons of cGI there's stuff all over the screen, but the imagery in this movie is striking I mean it's so i can't I can't in good conscience call it ugly now it may have an ugly kind of undertone from a from just kind of uh what it's trying to say and what it what it's doing but i don't think it's ugly to the to to look at uh and so we'll just agree to disagree there but wow. overall i can't i expected this to be a typical transformers experience for me where i just did not could not tolerate it and it wasn't. I don't like it. I think it's a bad movie. I would give it a negative review. The last thirty-five to forty minutes are an absolute slog. I mean, an absolute slog. And if they had just cut that out and ended the movie earlier, it may it would have been a lot better for me. I think the performances are are campy, and it's just it's full of dumb stuff. I mean, there's a laundry list of dumb things. Like when people are when. People are jumping off buildings and walking on drones in the sky. I mean, it's just so it's so <laughs> absurd. But but I do think when compared to Transformers two, three, and four, I have a hard time seeing how you rate this below those because I do think like even from a cutting standpoint, the action in this movie, although there's certainly plenty of quick cuts. For the most part, I was never disoriented and I knew what was happening. They used a lot more wide than they normally do, and so even though it still had that Bay style, I th- I just thought that it was I thought it was better. I just thought it was better. And maybe I'm just getting old and soft and I like things, but um <laughs> I, for me, I think it's my second. It's my second favorite, and I hate to use the word favorite cuz I'll never watch this movie again, but
0: <laughs> right, I, and I, I just let, don't let me... I just
1: don't hate it as much as you do cuz I feel like that does so many things better than the ones that have come before it
0: and let let me add a disclaimer in that i'm pretty certain i have not watched two three or four all but the one time that i saw it so so there could be an element of i don't remember what the heck they you know they had going on so but when i left the theater I, one of the things that i said in regards to anthony hopkins was you know anthony hopkins has some of the greatest performances of all time no doubt uh, he is he you know has done amazing things And I just left the theater saying, I am so thankful that Daniel Day-Lewis is retiring because we will never have to see him do this. (laughs) Listen, Anthony Hopkins doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have
1: to do anything. He was like, hey, Michael Bay,
0: yeah, I'm robots. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Well, I don't think that there's uh I don't think there's any reason for us to go into spoilers today on this movie. Uh, it is getting eviscerated by the critics, not unexpectedly. It's at 15%. Uh although the audience score is at 56%. So half the people like it and that's that sounds like us today except that I don't like it. So, but I like it more than you. Um,
0: but also, it did not do good at the box office domestically this yeah, weekend.
1: That's true from a box office standpoint. It made 69 million and it is a franchise low the franchise low internationally however it made just under 200 million
0: so it's and therein Mm -hmm. lies therein lies our reasoning here that's that is why these movies get made is for the foreign audiences if it was not for foreign audiences we would not have transformers 4 or 5 yeah, um, I don't know though
1: because they did four and five did but well domestically this is this is the first time and I think that I think the creative consciousness has just finally caught up to every, very much like they did with the DC movies that these movies are so bad that you just decide I'm not going to see them and I think that's what I think that's what happened here because the 70 million over five days is is really low for what uh, historically has been a, a very high performing franchise for sure so I think it'll still be in the top 10 but I I think our, our box office wager show is going to be very interesting this year. Yes.
0: I, I'm pretty sure we all just did terribly. And I
1: will say this, that Wonder Woman is now, as of the time of this recording, is at 318 Gosh. domestic. So it's Domates. it's going to be one or two. It's going to be one or two. Yeah. But for sure, Transformers is underperforming. But you know what? Everything is underperforming.
0: Yeah, that's so, true.
1: So what's going to happen? We don't know. All right, Daniel, anything else that you would like to talk about before we give our recommendations?
0: I think I've said enough.
1: We should also say that we are disappointed that Chris isn't here with us. Chris and Melody both are on an extended trip and they're going to be unable to to join us for the next couple of weeks. So we definitely look forward to getting back uh, with them. But Chris, if you are listening, we do. We would like to... We can, I mean, come on. You love the Transformers. He would love this movie. This may be your top two of the year. I mean, <laughs> uh, so we don't want to review this movie and not give you an opportunity. So Chris, if you're listening... Go to your cell phone and review your one-man review of Transformers. Tell us how much you loved it and put it on our Facebook page, and uh, and we'll link to it there. So, Daniel, um, not that I need to ask, but I will: is this a theater, a rental, or a skip?
0: Skip is the lowest option there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to option <laughs> D. Forget that this movie exists. So you're just okay. gonna make up an entirely different scale. Yep, yep. making up a new scale. Don't don't go see it in the theaters. Don't rent it. Don't even give it the thought that oh, should I? No, I'm gonna skip it. No, just don't even just don't even question it. Just pretend it doesn't exist. This movie doesn't exist.
1: Okay, I'm definitely not as negative as Daniel. <laughs> I would say that if you want to watch like the first two hours, it's rental, and then turn it off. Uh, otherwise, it's a skip because it's uh, it's more of the same. But there's something weird about this one for me though. I got to be honest. I kind of. Didn't hate it. I kind of didn't hate it. I didn't love it, but I kind of didn't hate it. So enter at your own risk. (laughs) Thanks, Michael Bay. I did see on his IMDb page that he is already credited as a producer on Transformer 7, which I think is interesting. I guess they're calling Bumblebee Transformer 6. So uh, yeah, more to come, more to come. So thanks, Michael Bay. We'll be talking about you here a little bit more in just a second. So with that, let's move to our top three. Three,
0: two, one. The top three. For this episode, instead of a traditional top three, uh, we are picking our best and worst Michael Bay films. And and we decided to not make it a whole, total top three because there's only 14 movies to choose from, so that would be six of them. We'll just go with our best and worst. Okay, I'm going to real quick, since there's not that many, I'm going to read through his filmography just real fast, all mm-hmm. right? Going from his first movie to his latest. So we got Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, Bad Boys 2, the Island, Transformers, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, Transformers: Dark of the Moon, Pain and Gain, Transformers: Age of Extinction, Thirteen Hours, Transformers: The Last Garbage. All right, so <laughs> Daniel, so uh, we let's start. Let's start with worst, okay? Because obviously, uh, Michael Bay has a lot of critical. What would you call that? Not a, What's the opposite of critical acclaim? Critical hatred. He has a lot of that
1: he has a lot of so, that so uh,
0: now his movies make really good money obviously we've talked about the Transformers franchise so so there's something about uh, you know people seem to enjoy going to his movies but critics don't and we are critics right now so Chad what is your least favorite Michael Bay film I had a challenge
1: uh, trying to pick out my least favorite because I think I have a least favorite and then I think there is an objectively worst. And so, with your permission, sir, I'm going to list both of those. My least favorite, and this is somewhat controversial uh, because we reviewed this movie on the podcast earlier. I think it was before you joined us, Daniel. But my least favorite is Pain and Gain. uh, Oh, wow. Because I think think that is such a mean-spirited movie. Uh, primarily because it's based on a real event that I'm familiar with and the way that it was portrayed and the fact that that movie exists and the way that it was told and the way that it was played is kind of this fun, silly heist movie. There was just something about it that I just, it felt, it just felt bad to me. Um, That's just me. That's just my personal opinion. It's not like a moral objection to it. It's just, I just, it felt not good. Um, to me. Now, objectively, the worst movie he's made is n- there's just no question it's Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. It's Transformers mm. 2. I mean, this movie happened in the middle of the writer's strike. It's when he really tried to up the ante with his visual style. I challenge anyone to watch this movie and tell me what it's about. To, I mean you can take you can take full action scenes out of this movie and watch them and I promise you you don't know what's happening. The cutting is so bad, the editing is so bad there's no sense of place or composition or compositional uh blocking it's just ludicrous in every sense of the word that is a movie that I actively hate because it is so bad i mean it's it's i, I don't even i don't even know how. <laughs> uh, how anybody can argue. So for me, that's it's it's that one. That's the worst. What about you, Daniel? Okay.
0: Well, for me, uh, I actually that just full disclosure. There's a couple movies on here that I haven't actually seen. Uh, so I'm somehow I don't know how somehow I've never seen. Bad Boys or Bad Boys Two? Really? Uh, yeah, I don't know why. For huh. sure. I just when I was looking at this list, I was like, you know what? I've never seen those, so okay. so those aren't anywhere on my list. Um, and I actually have not seen Pain and Gain, so that's curious. That, uh, or so that's interesting that you said that. I mean, you should true. see
1: it. A lot of people very much like it. I just I it didn't see it well with me. Very interesting.
0: So and then also I've seen The Island, but I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters in '05, and and I I, I don't I don't remember you it. Forgot so it before I also you walked out yeah, so i don't I don't remember even what I thought about it. I don't remember if I liked it or hated it at all. So I might as well not have seen it. My least favorite or the worst Michael Bay film. I've gotta agree with you, Chad, but I'm making it a tie. Re- Revenge of the Fallen and Last Night to me are equally <laughs> horrible. Um, i I hated this movie. Oh, damn. Uh, but this movie did not have. Transformers balls or Transformers peeing on John Turturro. So,
1: right.
0: uh, you know, there's there's pros and cons. So, so it's not go. as
1: bad. That's exactly
0: right. <laughs> With that out of the way, let's move to our best, our, the best Michael Bay film. What is it?
1: Uh, this was also somewhat difficult because I am very nostalgic for both The Rock and Armageddon. Uh, I was in college when those movies came out, and it was... It was an era when the size and scope of these movies were just, it was just to see what they were doing was really breathtaking. And so I have a very nostalgic lens through which I view those films. But if I had to pick what I think is the best Michael Bay movie, it's 13 Hours. Libyan visa. Official. Pull over for
0: inspection. Sorry, sir, I can't do that. Pull over for an inspection. How willing are you to die for your country?
1: I'm gonna go right here, right now.
0: Hey everybody, this is Jack Silva. Jack, we trained seals at Coronado, so he knows the drill. Welcome to Club Mad.
1: It's under
0: attack. Let's go, man. It's under attack. Let's go. We got to move. If you do not get here soon,
1: we are all going to die. You have a U.S. ambassador at risk. The ambassador is in his safe haven. You're not the first responders. You're the last resort. You will wait. Having no expectations, expecting it to be similar to Pain and Gain in as much as it's a true event, but it's going to be Michael Bay-ized and disrespectful, etc., and from everything that i have researched after the film they really took great lengths to to reconstruct what what happened uh at that event and i think it's i think it's the most restrained that michael bay has ever been now it's got plenty of shaky cam it's got plenty of very kind of visceral filmmaking uh when things start getting into the action parts of it but uh it's i think it's legitimately a good movie that's not great um, it has some problems, but it's a movie that had I watched it and it not said Michael Bay, I would have had no idea it was a Michael Bay film. So for me, mm-hmm. it's 13 Hours.
0: Interesting. I did not enjoy 13 Hours. So I don't – yeah, I agree. It's not bad, and it's definitely the most restrained Michael Bay movie, but uh, overall, I wasn't a huge fan. Okay. All right. So for me, my favorite or or the best Michael Bay film, and and as much as I've given Michael Bay crap over this whole episode, uh, I I don't like to be part of that group that just jumps on the train to hate a filmmaker or a movie just because everybody else does. Even though Uh, you did. Well, I'm I'm trying to be objective and say I objectively hated Transformers the last night, not because Michael Bay directed it, but because it was a terrible movie. He's obviously been very successful, so so I think there are there are, I wanted to be objective and, and really look at what my favorite movies are. So, um, I can objectively say that I I don't love a single one of these movies. Not a, I don't love any of them. Um, But there's a couple that I like a decent amount. I already said I like Transformers a good amount. Uh, That's probably my second favorite Michael Bay uh, movie. But my first favorite is Armageddon. What hit us? Small
1: asteroid fragments. This morning. How big were those? Those were nothing. The size of basketballs and Volkswagens. This new one you're tracking. How big? It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. It's what we call a global killer. The end of mankind. Half the world will be incinerated by the heat blast. The rest will freeze to death in nuclear winter. Basically the worst parts of the Bible. Hitting the rock from the outside won't do the job. So, we nuke this thing from the inside.
0: How? We drill. We're bringing the world's best deep core driller. The United States government has just asked us to save the world. We're talking about space, right? Outer space? This is like deep blue hero stuff. I'm there. I'm with
1: you. Beat me up, Scotty. I want all of you listening to know that everything that can be done to wage this terrible battle is being called into service. May we all see these events through with the courage worthy of this
0: challenge. Can't hang that on you for that. That movie was was enjoyable it's a it's a good movie it's um it's it's really dumb and stupid, but it's already been well established on this podcast that I like disaster movies and that's that's you know one of the classics it's really great. Have you ever watched the commentary on Armageddon? I have not I do own it, but i haven't so I, I normally wouldn't have but I saw a clip on online of Ben Affleck doing the the commentary for Armageddon and it's freaking hilarious he's really? like. He's mocking Michael Bay for the entire thing. It is so funny. <laughs> you definitely need to at least at least Google that clip because it is so funny. But yeah, but Armageddon is my pick. That is a yeah. a, a pretty decent movie. It is, and uh, that's the movie enjoyable. that like
1: spawned the whole like slow motion team walking towards the
0: camera right, yeah, kind of, yeah, thing. exactly,
1: yeah. I loved that movie uh, when I first saw it. There's no doubt, no about it. Yeah. It's it's really good. Yeah.
0: So all right, so those are our picks for best and worst Michael Bay films. We posted this on our Facebook page for the Screenish podcast. So we had James Palmer who said The Rock is probably the best. One one uh he wasn't sure what his worst one was but he liked that one michael cook liked the island I, th- I think that's him saying it was his favorite he liked it uh and he he thought pearl harbor was too long as so are I a lot of his movies yes very very long Britton meathy also liked the rock as well and hated age of extinction transformers 4 and then uh pamela vickery also liked the rock a lot
1: of love for the rock yes do you smell what he's cooking we also had Diane Glover who said her best was pearl harbor pearl harbor <laughs>
0: did you say harbor leave you know, that in you That's know in the podcast. you
1: know you know old old mr <laughs> harbor <laughs> <laughs> Diane said that her best was Pearl Harbor and that her worst was Mystery Men, which is hilarious because he didn't direct Mystery Men. But that's okay, Diane.
0: (laughs) So that's that's great. So as always, join in with the conversation with us on Facebook. We, We didn't hear much about Bad Boys. I thought that would come up a little bit more. I thought people really liked those movies, but we didn't. So let us know what we missed, what we forgot and what your favorites are. And you can always join in with our top three conversation and anything else on Facebook. You're listening to The Screeners Podcast.
1: So that's going to do it for this week's episode of The Screeners. We thank you so much for listening. If you get a moment this week, we'd love it if you'd head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And while you're there, if you take a moment and leave a review, that really helps us out as well. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or something you'd like to hear us discuss, you can email us, screenerscast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, at ScreenersCast, And as usual, look for The Screeners Podcast on Facebook. Join us next time when we'll be reviewing Baby Driver.
0: And that's a wrap. You've heard what The Screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.